Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Amen, amen. I'm going to pray a little more if that's all right. We love you, Lord. I just ask, Lord, that you would equip my brokenness, my weaknesses, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would allow the weakness to be made strong by the the very power that comes, the dunamis that comes from the Holy Spirit, Lord. We invite the Holy Spirit this morning. Don't give us itching ears, God. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see what the Holy Spirit is speaking in this hour. What are you saying right now, God, to the church? What are you speaking to the church? Holy Spirit, we invite you. We want to be a people who are doers of the word, not just hearers, Lord. We want to be doers, God. We want to stand up for truth. We want to understand your word. We want to be people with the spirit of understanding on our lives. We don't want to just say things, God. We want it to be deep inside in our inner man. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, this morning. Be with us in Jesus' name. Can you say amen again? Amen and amen. I have a little introduction, and then I will kind of start the message. And the purpose of my introduction is usually like to basically tell you my heart behind it. Um, behind my heart behind the message, why I feel like the West message is on my heart, and then we'll get into like the actual teaching. Um, some of you may know every time I speak, uh, if you've never heard me speak, but it's like recently at least, especially since last year, it's like God always does something major every year on my heart, and it kind of transitions me, and I, this is like the first time where it's like two years almost, so we're almost through this year, and I can't get off of it. Usually God always has one major message for me per year that I dive into, usually in my walk with the Lord. And uh, the last two years for me has been on the homosexual community, and I just can't shake it, so I feel if I have the opportunity to speak, I'm going to speak what's on my heart. Um, I don't know if God's calling me. I might have shared this before, but to some form of ministry in the future, I don't know, but I can't shake my heart when it comes to the homosexual community. I cannot shake it. So I'm not preaching on that only today, but I want you to know my heart on what's on what's in there because that's what's in there. Like I feel this burden, like, Lord, I want to take the rainbow back because, Lord, I want to take back the word, the word love. Think about these words for a second. Love, freedom. The words that we literally have in the gospel that is meant for salvation are the same words that the, the homosexual community uses as their platform words. Freedom, love, be who you are, who you were meant to be. These are all gospel words. These are all God's true identity in him. And, and it's, the enemy is using it to distort the very freedom that comes when you meet Christ. I'm passionate this morning. I only get a couple preachings a year. So, boy, I'm coming with it. So I'm strap up. Let's go. Let's go. The rainbow is literally God's sign of mercy. Think about this for a minute. The word gay means happy. So wait, why is it the word gay, which is happy, supposed to be how you find happiness by changing who you're attracted to? Think about how obvious this is. How obvious the enemy is in tricking and deceiving people. 
Because who you're attracted to makes you happy? Because who you're attracted to gives you freedom? Gives you identity? All the things that have nothing to do with who you're attracted to and who you desire to be with sexually. (laughs) It's quiet up here. It's going to be quiet a couple times. It's all right. Who you're attracted to sexually has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with you being free. Nothing to do with you understanding your identity. Nothing to do with you knowing who you are and who you were created to be. Has nothing to do with who you're attracted to, attracted to sexually. The rainbow. God is good. Love is love. No, God is love. Not love is love. God is love. There's a big word change there. God is love. Love is found in God. Why is the culture trying to change this? And I, and I remember someone said recently, you know, I had read it on Facebook or something, and I almost jumped in and did a big argument, but I try not to do that. This life's too short, you know. It's just like, should I? And he just, just get out of here, get out of here. Why am I on Facebook anyways? You know, and they said, you know, why do we always preach what's going on in the culture, and why do we have to preach what's happening in the news or, the, you know, not really politics, but, like, what's in the culture? We shouldn't address those things in church. We just should teach the Bible and I could get that heart a little bit, but I believe the, 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 the church is called to shine the light on darkness. What are we here for? <laughs> we act like we don't know what the, the different schemes of the enemy and the different things he's going to do. And 10 years, there's going to be things we didn't even think of today. Of course we need to address them in the church. It's not wrong. It's not going with the politics, going with the culture. Those are all excuses for God's word not to be preached. What's going on in the churches? Preachers, pastors, leaders are not addressing actual issues in people's lives because they're afraid to offend you. Was Jesus ever afraid to offend anybody? (laughs) Drink my blood, eat my flesh. Rich young ruler, you're oh, but you got a lot of money. You're ready to give to my ministry. Sell everything you have. Give it. Don't give it to me. Give it to the poor. That's a little bit different, right? Nowadays, is I like that. Sell everything you have and give it to the ministry. <laughs> Jesus was a little bit different, guys. <laughs> Sell everything you have and give it to something completely has nothing to do with me. <laughs> he wasn't afraid of offending people if he knew that's where your heart lied. Rich young ruler, if your heart lies on your riches, go sell it all. And just to make sure it's clear that I don't want it, it's, this is to help you out. Could it be the word of God helps us? Could it be that the preaching and the word of God actually sets you free? Could it be that when we actually address these things, you're actually being healed and things are being changed inside of you because the word of God heals? But if we don't preach it and we don't talk about it, there's the wounds are going to be there in the church. You want to know my prayer and my cry? Forgive me if I give emotional today because I have a a cry in my heart. I want to see churches with that have come in with men and men married with men and they get saved. I mean, women that have been married for years and they get saved. And then leaders on stage and worship leaders that wear homosexual lifestyles for 10, 15 years and they get saved. How would you feel in that church? Would you be uncomfortable? This is what's coming, and this is my prayer. 
My prayer is this is coming to the body of Christ, and we don't welcome them because our heart, our heart is hard, and we don't know how to address it. We don't, we're confused. We don't know if it's right, if it's wrong. We don't know if we need to change them. You know, we've had, we have conversations, me and my friends, about this stuff all the time because it's always on my heart. And so we talk about these things, you know, and I remember talking about, you know, if a, of, of a, of a woman gets saved and she dresses like a man, okay, I'm okay with that, right? I'm, I'm throwing, this, I know, this is crazy stuff in church to talk about. You know, a, a woman gets saved, she dresses like a guy, okay, she comes in dressing like a guy, we all are okay with that. <laughs> what happens if a guy who dresses like a woman gets saved and he comes in with a dress? <laughs> this is, right, we're not used to this. This is uncomfortable, but this is the reality that we need to face if we're actually going to welcome the harvest. Guys, there is a harvest coming. There is a harvest coming. And it's not just the homosexual community. It's also the people that uh, abstain from marriage. Do you know that that's another movement? And the Bible actually talks about it in the last days they will abstain from marriage. They will not marry. There is people that have been living together for 15 years, don't have kids, raising a family, and they're not married. So... We, we're, you know, we're more comfortable, oh, yeah, we'll talk about that in church, no problem. It's the same sin. It's sexual sin. Because sex and who you're attracted to sexually doesn't define you in your identity. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but that's on my heart. That's my introduction. Okay. Now let's kind of get into the word a little bit. Hey, Matthew, come up. Are you going to help me read a, a passage real quick? I want him to just read through the whole thing. Um, I actually have it right here, too, if you want. Just read through the whole thing for me, and I just want the word of God to kind of prep our hearts, and then we'll kind of get into the message. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm going to be reading in 2 Thessalonians 2, chapters 1, verses 1 through 12. Take that. Um, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or in troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one receive you by any means. Sorry. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or is that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself if that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawlessness, one, the lawless, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, lying wonders, and with all the unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. They might be saved, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should be they should believe the lie that they were that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Thank you. Say amen to the reading of the word. Come on, say amen to the reading of God's word. 
I want to highlight toward the end there, verse 11, verse 10, excuse me. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing the sword deep in the heart this morning. How do you feel when we have these discussions? How do you feel when you understand that a person in a homosexual relationship will go to hell? How do you feel when someone in a sex before marriage relationship will go to hell because they're living willful sin, knowing it's sin, they're living it, and the Bible says a willful sin, there is no sacrifice for that sin, the sacrifice of Christ. That's Hebrews 10.26. If you're continual in willful sin, walking that lifestyle out, you are in willful sin, there is no longer a sacrifice for your sins, Hebrews 10.26. That is the word of God. Do you love that truth? I'm uncomfortable saying that to you. That doesn't make me feel good, but I'm not giving an excuse for God's word. I'm not going to give you an excuse what that's supposed to mean or how it should be or what makes you feel better about it. It's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable, yes, but the day's going to come where the words I just said are going to lock me up. That's the reality. The days are going to come with that message that I just said right there. Those words gets out. My, my boss sees it. My manager sees it. And I lose my job. Oh, I welcome those days. Hallelujah. I welcome those days. I'm like, Lord, let me be found worthy to be fired for your kingdom. <laughs> I know my wife's like, please, God, no. I don't know. I'll go pack groceries in, in, a, in a grocery store. I don't care. But if I could offer that to God... <laughs> I'll figure the other stuff out. I'll sell my car, sell my house. I don't know. But I know we'll be soon to the coming of the Lord. I know we'll be sooner to the day he splits the sky. He's coming. And these things are coming to our land. This is coming. Jesus is coming. Persecution is coming. You will not be allowed to speak truth. Because what is I speak in love, the world will call hatred. Because I speak it in love knowing it can set you free of who you were meant to be when God formed you before you were in your mother's womb. He formed you. Before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. Before you were in your mother's womb, he gave you a purpose. He created you. And you can't find that apart from him. You can't find love apart from him because God is love. And you can only find the love you seek in God, not in a love that man can give you. Whether woman with man, man with man, woman with woman. Man's love is not the love that comes from God. And it cannot set you free eternally. It could set you free temporarily. It could give you temporary pleasure. It can give you temporary identity. It can give you temporary freedom, but it's not eternal. Do you love truth? When he was talking about building the house on the foundation, this is the foundation the church has lost, truth. The fact that I get it's uncomfortable when we talk about it, 
but it is truth, and you have to decide whether to say yes or no to it. That's never going to change, church. You've got to repent of your sin and turn from it and find out how your story actually looks. Because maybe God the Father might know something you don't know. You know, as parents, you know, sometimes when you tell your kids something to do and they want to know why. (laughs) But why do I have to do that? Why do I have to brush my teeth, Dad? To me, that's simple. Darling, because if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to regret it in many years. Blah, 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 blah. I can see the future of your bad teeth. I'm not, I don't know where this came from, but I'm not, I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> Some Holy Ghost breath, breath up in here. But darling, I'm trying to give you wisdom because I know something you don't know. If you don't brush your teeth every day, you're going to regret it. Because I'm a father and I'm leading you as a father. Daddy God, when he gives truth, you may not understand it, but he's the one who knows the end from the beginning. And if you could just trust him, he may know something you don't know. He knows something you don't know. I don't know if that's bad or not. I hope not. I don't know if it's like a horror movie song or something. The love of truth says, even when I disagree, I am going to surrender. That's the love of truth. That's the first slide. Put that up. How do I love truth? How do I love truth? You demonstrate your truth and your love for truth every time you publicly take a stand for it. That's what I'm doing today. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if it hits anybody, receives it, but I'm saying, God, I have an opportunity to preach your word. I'm going to stand for truth. Whether it's received, how you receive it, I can't control. But I know my heart behind it is I want to stand for truth. Because, again, I believe that truth is only our Father leading us down the path of life and righteousness. We may not always understand it. I get it. And there's questions that I don't know how to answer, especially with the homosexual community, you know, if, if, you know transgender. and th- I don't have all the answers. All I could say is God's word is true, and we have to stand by it. And when they become, the harvest comes, not only from people that are in homosexual, but I got another example for you, people that have had an abortion. Okay, that's another topic we don't talk about in churches anymore. Abortion is sin. It is murder. It is sin according to the word of God. But if we begin to have that heart and we turn away those that have committed abortion, now we are, we are in a way partaking of that that, that very lack of self-identity they had to commit the abortion. We're now, we're now feeding into that. We're actually agreeing with the very lie that led them to the point believing they had to do that, which might be the sex to begin with, which might be them giving their bodies outside of the place of marriage because they're longing for love, longing for identity, so they do sex to fulfill that, and that leads to another problem they consider a problem called a child. Now they don't know how to love because I don't, I've never been loved. How can I love this one? I can't have this baby. Do you see it? It's all the same root issues. It's love. God is love, not love is love. God is love. God is love. God is love so you don't have to have sex before you find the one that you're going to be married to. 
God is love so you don't have to be attracted to the same sex and think that that's your only attraction. God is love. Maybe you don't see the father the way you're meant to see the father. Maybe your mother wasn't a mother to you. I don't know the story. I don't know how, God, how it came together. But love is not love. God is love. You have to stand for truth. This morning I was thinking about the, the armor of God. I said, wow, the armor of God. The very first point of the armor of God is to gird yourself with truth. You know what that means, right? If you don't put your belt on, what might happen, PK? <laughs> you forget your belt, come up here and I start preaching without my belt on. Next thing you know, I'm naked before everyone. That's how it looks. The belt of truth, it girds you, which is holding you up to not reveal your nakedness. You are naked, just so you know. <laughs> Hebrews says in chapter 4 that God can see all things and all of us are naked before, the, before God. Now, I don't want to, I know this is like, we're talking about men, homosexuality, naked. I mean, this is church. Welcome. Welcome to RCC. If this is your first time, welcome. I'm not the lead pastor, so you can't get mad at him. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to take this a step further. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know how when a husband and a wife are together and they could be naked before each other? There is a purity in that. There's a purity in that. I can't do that with anybody. <laughs> right? There's not that same safety. There's not that same surrender. There's not that same meant to be this way, right? It's different. But when you're with the one that God formed together, that called you two to be one flesh, there is a freedom in that. There's that word again, freedom. There's a freedom in your nakedness, your vulnerability. Think about that. The way we think about our bodies the way we think about how we look, but in your, when you're in a relationship with your husband or your wife, your vulnerabilities are now washed away and covered in love. <laughs> so good. Because the love blinds you of the vulnerabilities. But you, when you're with someone that doesn't have that love, your vulnerabilities are now up. Oh, it sounds like something to me. Turn there real quick. Go to Genesis. Go to Genesis real quick. Go to Genesis. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 26. I need to just nip this in the bud real quick. We were made as male and female. Can the church say amen? amen. I'm going to say it again. Is that all right? We were made as male and female. Can the church say amen? Yes. Male and female, there's no other option. When God formed us and you, he made you one of two options. <laughs> It's funny, but isn't this crazy that we have to have this conversation when my five-year-old can understand it? My five-year-old who doesn't watch the news, doesn't go out to, you know, my five-year-old can understand he's a boy for, for you know, particular reasons, <laughs> especially that he has sisters. Again, freedom in family, right? My kids walk around with no clothes on because there's, there's but they won't do that in your home because Abba, father, Father's love covers a multitude of shame. Father's love allows you, child, to be vulnerable. My daughters run out the bedroom, you know, naked and not have no questions about it. <laughs> I'm sure that'll change as they get older. Some parents know that. Teenagers coming soon. But where they are in that purity stage, oh, this, is, this is powerful, guys. I know I'm like weird, but just try to come there with me. Come on, follow me somehow. It's a rocky road. We'll get there. 
but children, pure, before Abba, Father, vulnerability, have no worry about their nakedness. We see the small glimpse of how God formed man in the Garden of Eden. We see the small glimpse, and remember, this is before the fall. We see a glimpse of how man was created to be prior to the fall, not vulnerable of their nakedness. I see a glimpse of that in children when they're born. I see a glimpse of that. And the more older they start to grow and the larger and the older they become and the wisdom of this world now begins to get into their mind, the more they cover up. Isn't that true? It's almost like we were born in the garden state. But then as we get older, we become part of the fallen state of man. You never see a child, you know, worrying about being naked at one years old, you know, six months. You know, mommy, no, don't walk in. That's not, that's not part of who they are because they're a child. The Bible says the only way to come into the kingdom of God is to be like a child. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Why is this true? Why is this truth? Because God said, let us make man in our image. Say our image. According to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Word of God, truth, I don't care what year it is, that will never change. That won't change. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. You know what that means? All the kids are gone, right? (laughs) That means have sex. That means be fruitful, make love to one another, provide each other with pleasure and have a family prior to the fall. This is crazy, y'all. I'm going to probably not preach for a while. It's all right. No, I, just, I know PG don't mind. He loves truth. It's just funner that way to pretend like, you know. <laughs> so prior to the fall, humanity was made to become one flesh and make love together and form a family prior to the fall. Why do you think there's so much attack on the family unit, guys? The enemy wishes to take us to as close away, uh, uh, further away from the garden state. The garden state of vulnerability, nakedness, family. He wants to pull us away from that. So he says stuff like freedom, who you are, happy. I could tell you, you can be happy in the kingdom. You don't have to be gay to be happy. (laughs) I don't... like, I don't, it doesn't matter who you are or how you were made. You don't have to be gay to be happy. If you allow God to trust you and form you the way he meant to form you and allow him to heal you and cleanse you of everything that's in your heart, I guarantee you will find happiness in Christ and not be gay. I'm not saying you won't be tempted. I'm saying you don't have to walk out that fulfillment of that temptation in order to be, gay, to, to be happy. Do you understand that? You might, not be te- you might be tempted. I get tempted in a lot of stuff. I get tempted all the time. But I can't find my fulfillment in those temptations. I'm a really bad backslider. I've tried. 
Has anybody ever tried to backslide before? I love the Bible when it says, uh, uh, where can I go from your spirit? <laughs> in Psalms. Where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, you're there, God. You're like the crazy grandma that prays for me and follows me everywhere, knocks on my friend's door on the party. Where are you at? Where can I go from your presence, Lord? No matter how much I try, I can't successfully sin and be okay continually doing it. Why? Because there's truth in me. Because when I was a little boy, my mom took me to, to church. Or the little kids that are in the classes right now, the ones in middle school class, the ones in, in, in Raising Arrows, because something was taught to me, and it's inside of me, and even though I run, I keep drawing back that that's wrong and God is right. It's the Holy Spirit. And we've lost this, like he said, in the church. Maybe you said in the meeting. We've lost it in the church. Because one of the number one, I'm, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, please. But one of the, uh, one of the ones I've been finding in my research that are, that are okay with homosexuals being in leadership and okay with homosexuals in homosexual relationships, not that they've had it before, but continually in the relationship to be in leadership, worship leaders, pastors, priests, are ones that are, are a lot of times what I consider churches and, and, and denominations that are void of some of the things of the Holy Spirit. So, for example, um, you could put that picture I have up there, the one with the blue flag. Um, the Episcopal Church currently has 1.5 million members, okay? 1.5 million members. And they have now made a statement publicly that they're okay with gender affirming care, which means children changing gender. They're okay with all of this. 1.5 million. Remember the first verse we read, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, there will be a great falling away. Before the coming of Jesus, there will be a falling away. We think that's impossible. I'm not saying every single one of these people are falling away. I'm posing a question. One of the, one of the largest denominations, Episcopal Church, 1.576, uh, 1.5 million people actively baptized in 2020. This is the statement from their archbishop. Jesus said, and this was given during Pride Month. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you but that you should love one another. By this, everyone know you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen. That's true. In my years of ministry, I have personally seen many people blessed by the LBGTQ sisters and brothers and siblings. Dear friends, the church has never in like manner been blessed by you. Together with many others, you are faithful. Here's the words. Together with many others, you are faithful followers of Jesus. You have helped the church Catholic, the universal, the prayers, the house of prayer for all people. You have helped the church be a true reflection of the beloved community of God, and you've helped the church to authentically be the branch of Jesus in our time. That's tough for me to read because I'm not coming against the homosexual community. I'm not. It's not my heart. I want us, I want, I'm, I'm addressing the church right now. That's not to say, I, remember what I opened up with here. My heart is to see the homosexuals become to the knowledge of Christ and find out who they were meant to be because I believe the reason why they're gay is because they don't know who they are. And I say that with love. They don't know who they are, so they begin to walk out a lifestyle trying to understand that. Okay. With that said now, 
Now the church is making them priests and leaders and allowing them to preach and teach in the church, in their homosexual lifestyle, and saying they're a reflection of Christ. This is where we are. This is where we are. Put the second slide up. The love for truth increases in my heart every time I disagree, yet surrender to the truth of the word of God. I'm doing something on purpose this morning. (laughs) I'm purposely throwing stuff out there. I don't got time to sit here and go into every detail of everything. I'm throwing stuff out to check your heart to say, how do you feel about it? it, Does it offend you? Or are you able to say, I will stand behind that? Because the, I'm not telling you to go and you got to put it on your Facebook, you got to put it on Instagram. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is where do you stand? If somebody asks you your opinion, where do you stand? Where do you stand for truth? Or do you think it's okay for, for these? Because there's going to be a split. It is coming. I'm calling out something that's already here and that's coming to a greater measure. There is going to be a great falling away. Those are going to, there's going to be Christians that claim these things and say they love Jesus. And many, are, and many are going to stand here going, they're saying they love Jesus. They're saying they love everybody. They're saying that's wrong and that's hatred because they have this theology that that's hatred because I speak truth. That's not hatred. That's truth. Period. It's truth. You consider that hatred because of your filter. It's not hatred. It's truth. Jesus loved every single person he told to repent. The woman caught in adultery, when she was brought to Jesus' feet, he says, go and sin no more. He called her out in love. In the same, one of the most beautiful acts of God's mercy, a woman caught in adultery in the very act, brought to his feet. Jesus looked at her, told everyone to, uh, to cast the first stone if they have no sin. One of the most beautiful acts of mercy by our God, who is holy, who is righteous, mercy in that moment still called that, that woman out of that sin. Is that hatred? It's not hatred. That's love. Why? Because her heart, why was she doing the sin? Why was she doing the sin? There's something missing in her heart. There's something she's looking for. There's something she's longing for. Why is the sin taking place is the question. Why didn't she get satisfaction with the first lover or the second lover or the third lover? Why is it so many lovers not satisfying and she found Jesus? Mary Magdalene, she found Jesus. And when she found Jesus, she loved extravagantly because she's, she's been with those other lovers. She knows what that felt like. She tried to find her, herself and her identity and her love. Love is vulnerability. Love is surrender. That's why you have to say, how do you, that's why I keep saying, where do you stand with truth? Because truth, there's vulnerability, there's surrender. What do I mean by that? You can't kind of like have your cake and eat it too. You can't feel the complete faithful. We're singing these songs this morning. The faithfulness of God. The love of God. The complete faithfulness of God in every situation. You can't have that and not have the surrender side. Okay? It's a marriage. I can't have my wife's faithfulness if I don't surrender in that relationship to only her. I can't say, yes, I do, and expect to go have other relationships and still have her full surrender. Full surrender. I mean, husband and wife, you know, the peak moments, not the, not the roller coaster. Don't go, don't go down there. 
Those are for other reasons of testing. I just remember someone telling me that marriage makes you like Jesus, and that's one of the most truest statements. You know, actually the statement was, you want to do a lot for God, be single. You want to be like God, be married. <laughs> you want to be, you want to do a lot for Jesus, you know, you know, do crusades and okay, be single. Paul said it too. He's like, be single because if not, you're going to be, you're going to have to tailor to your wife. But I think one thing Paul didn't know was to be like Jesus, you have to learn, like, to learn to love like Jesus. And marriage is one of the most beautiful ways to learn to love like Jesus because at the end of the day, everything is about unselfishness. Oh, we're getting somewhere now, right? What's the movement about? Me, he, she, their, them. You know, their, them, hi. You know, I feel like it's nouns. I don't know. He, she, there, right? All of this is me, me, me. What do I, one letter, what do I identify as? What do I identify as? What do I see myself as? Who am I attracted to? Key word here, key letter, church, I. Love doesn't start with an I. (laughs) I wish it was like a catchy little saying, I don't got one. Love in its fullness is selfless. God, come on, say it. God is love. God is love. Jesus is selfless. He showed the greatest picture of love. He was selfless. That's our our example of love, and it had nothing to do with Jesus. That's the problem with every other moment. Movement, it's about I. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to read a couple passages here. I think you guys are with me. Are you with me? Actually, turn a page. Look at real quick, because just to bring this home. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Just turn your page. Look what the Bible says there. And they were both naked the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Do you know that, one, in my opinion, one of the starting, starting foundational deceptions of homosexuality is shame? Shame. Whether, yeah, shame, which is rejection, which is, you know, maybe they don't like the way they look. Maybe they, they don't like, there's a shame built into it. Realize before the fall... Now, don't think, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not homosexual. I'm not, this doesn't apply to me. There is a lot of this in your heart. It may not look like homosexuality because the good thing, and I, the thing I actually respect about gay people is that their sin, at least, is out. The problem in the church is your sin is hidden. Oh, somebody just watch out. And I don't know what's worse. I honestly don't know what's worse. I can't tell you one is worse. I don't know if it's, I'd rather just be out there and be able to be like, you know, open with my sin so that way, you know, I can then come to the point of dealing and making a decision about my sin or hiding your sin all the time and acting like there is no sin. And cruising your way, cruising your way, cruising your way to hell. I'm not saying, that's, Leonard Ravenhill says that. That's the easiest way to hell is to just cruise in life. Just cruise your way to hell, you think everything's fine, and then we get to the door, right? Depart from me, for I never knew you. Genesis 2.25, they were naked and they were not ashamed. Ashamed. 
So the moment the fall happens, what happened to Adam and Eve? What did they do? They covered up. Now they're thinking about who they were and how they were created and how they see each other and all of that. That is fruit of the fall. That is not fruit of God's kingdom. God's kingdom and purpose in the garden was no shame and no, uh, no realization of your vulnerability and your nakedness. Oh, Jesus. That word ashamed in the Hebrew means confounded. It means shame. It means confusion. There in their nakedness, there was no confusion. All of a sudden, sin creeps in. Now there is confusion. Holy Spirit, help me. Jesus. Romans 1.26, I have to read it. I have to read it because I told myself, don't skip it, Enrique. You're not going to want to read it. <laughs> but I'm going to read it because the Holy Spirit told me to, and I want to stand for truth. Romans 1.26, I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. So strap up your seatbelts. Romans 1.26 in the Passion Translation. For this reason, God gave them over to their own disgraceful and vile passions. Inflamed with lust for one another, men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relation for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct and men committed shameful acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their deviation. For this reason, God gave them over to a disgraceful and vile passion. Inflamed with lust for one another, men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relation for homosexuality. Oh, I read that, sorry. Women engaged in lesbian, uh, sorry, that's a double there. And because they thought it was worthless, to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over to a worthless mindset to break all rules of proper conduct. Jesus, I'm not going to say anything. Their sinful lives become full of every kind of evil, wicked schemes, greed, and cruelty. Now, don't just think the homosexual. This is not just the homosexual. That's a small part. This is humanity, humanity given into sin. All that's happened in these last 15, 20 years is what was in the heart of man already is coming out. Do you understand that? And this is going to take place even more. It's not a new sin. It's not a new uh, uh, deep, dark sin that came out of nowhere. Guys, this was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Sexual perversion. Like, this is not a new thing. This is in the heart of man, not just homosexuality, but uh, a sexual immorality, immorality in itself. I was watching a TV show with my wife one day. I don't know if, I'm not going to say the show. <laughs> it's like a reality show where they find love. And this one guy said he had sex with 100 women. He was probably like 22 years old. So it's not just homosexuality. So get that off your mind. It is sexual perversion, sexual immorality. It is looking for love in those wrong places. Continue reading there. It says, there, there are gossips who love to spread the malicious slander. With inflated egos, they hurl hateful insults at God. Yet they are nothing more than arrogant boasters. They are rebels against their parents and totally immoral. They are senseless, faithless, ruthless, heartless, and completely merciless. Although they are fully aware of God's law and proper order. So now we're talking to Christians. They're fully aware of God's laws and order. Knowing that those who do all of those things deserve to die, yet they still go headlong into darkness. Encouraging others to do the same and applauding them when they do. Again, I'm talking to the church right now. To the church, applauding 
sin and, and, and encouraging people to not be set free of something that, is, that God can set them free of. Not that they, again, same thing to a person who's committed abortion. Not that, you, that you're going to be healed and you're never going to think about it again. And you're never going to ever have a problem. You never No, but God can give you freedom. And that level of freedom can grow as you grow closer to Jesus. That's how freedom works, church. Your freedom in the beginning is a short, small, little, you feel free and there's a freedom. Then you realize there's still things you're dealing with. And that freedom can only increase as you draw nearer to Jesus. And I guarantee you, as you get the closest you can to that man and you lay on his chest and you feel his heart, one day you will understand why your life ended up the way it did. Why your story is the way it was. I believe there are so many stories right now that are building their testimony for a great harvest, for a people that will preach the gospel, who have come out of homosexuality, who have come out of, of, of a multitude of, of, of sex before marriage, multitude of lovers, people that have been set free of drug addiction, people that have been liars, that have been angry, people that have done every single thing under the sun. God is going to bring in a harvest. And I see that rainbow shining. I see the rainbow shining over the church again. I see the rainbow shining. God triumphs. He is covenant of mercy. Understand the rainbow, church. God saw mankind in their deepest, darkest sin. And he said, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. We saw three yesterday, four. Driving yesterday, we saw four rainbows. And I'm thinking of this in my heart. And the Lord says, I'll put a rainbow in the sky to remind you that no matter how far it goes and how bad it goes from today today on. Noah, I know it was bad, but Noah, I want you to know something. No matter how bad it's going to get, no matter how dark they're going to get, no matter how much they're going to hate me, Noah, no matter how much they're going to be upset with me, Noah, no matter how much hatred toward God is coming to the earth, every time I stick a rainbow in the sky, I want to remind you I will never again remove mankind from the earth. I will partner with mankind. They are my creation, and mercy triumphs over judgment. We're taking back the rainbow. We're taking back the rainbow in the church. Hallelujah. That belongs to God. It is his mercy covenant. He puts it in the sky. It's a miracle every time you see it. It's not coincidence. It's not an act of science. It is a promise of God. The rainbow is around the throne of God. Every time you see a rainbow, God's bringing heaven to earth. The Bible says in Revelation 4 is a rainbow around his throne. His rainbow comes to the earth. He is shining. It's an open heaven. I believe it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 8, as I begin to wrap up, the worship team could come up. Mark chapter 8, 34, guys. This is what it's all about. And this is our heart. This is our heart. Again, I hope, it's, hope you're not taking it only as toward the homosexual community, but that's obviously something in my heart. But I believe it's toward all sin, toward all backsliders in the church, to anybody that is struggling with sin, understand these points. You got to wrestle with truth. You got to love truth. You got to love your Bible, church. Got to love your Bible. If you don't strap up the, the belt of truth, your pants fall <laughs> in the spirit. Your nakedness. You know what's another reason why you gird yourself? Okay? So the, they used to wear garments. They used to have a gird, right? If they didn't oh, uh, tighten their belt, they would not properly be able to run. And Marcus says, let your lamps be burning and your, gir- your waist girded. For the coming of the Lord. We cannot run after Christ 
without our, our, the belt of truth tightened up. If we don't let the truth come, we cannot properly run and burn for Christ. Let your lamps be burning. Let your, your waist be girded with the belt of truth. We need truth. We need the word of God. Back to Ephesians 6 again. I wasn't playing. It's in my heart. I mean, what's the only offensive weapon in the armor of God? The sword of the spirit, which the Bible says, the sword of the spirit is the word. I'm tired of taking darts from the enemy. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of darts. I want to start acting back. I want to start being offensive. I want to start running. I want to start taking down demonic strongholds. You under, that first verse that, that Matt read earlier, you understand what that verse said, right? The lawless one is coming. And many of us have read the other passages that say the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. You have to understand, church, it's a spirit. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Stop getting in arguments with people on Facebook homosexuals or, you know, I'm not going on homosexual, you know, churches that agree with homosexual and going on there and blasting the pastors. Like, I don't, my, my battle is not with flesh and blood. There is a spirit that is being released, a spirit of the Antichrist. I'm not being super hyper-spiritual here. It is demonic. This gender thing is demonic. It is coming against the image of God. It is demonic. Do not take part. Do not agree. Do not say it's okay. Be firm. Tell your children it's wrong. My, my daughter came home uh, uh, last year and was saying how, you know, there's a kid in her class that gets called by the, I guess when they call her name to go to, like, release to the bus, they call her by her real name, his real name, but it's a her, so she was confused. Our children are dealing with this right now. And, and she almost told me, she asked me a question. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you that I have the right answer. She asked me, do I call her, which is really a him, by his real name or by her name? I said, sweetie, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I'm not saying I do. But this, we have to, I know what I do stand for, and I told her this, which is just so you know, him, he was created to be him. That's how God formed him, and nothing will change him. Nothing will change that. He doesn't know who he is, and that's okay because I pray he finds Jesus. I pray he finds Jesus. Now, after that, I don't know. We're going to need some people to rise up in ministry that know how to deal with this stuff, that know how to have the right heart, how to minister and counsel, and don't judge when they walk into the church. I pray they could walk into this church and feel welcomed. Jesus. I know this is burning on my heart. I remember the last time I spoke on something similar about two years ago, a year ago. You know, we went into altar ministry and I started praying for someone that I thought was, I thought was a male. And then I realized and I saw the bra strap coming up from the back of the shirt. And I had my hand on her. I felt the heart of God. I felt the heart of God over her. I'll never forget that moment in my life. I remember asking PG for permission to talk about it before service that day. And then here we are in altar ministry. I'm praying for someone. I'm thinking it's a boy and it's a, it's a woman. And the only reason I noticed is because I saw a little prostrap come up right through the back and I had the heart of the father. So she doesn't know who she is, God. She doesn't know who she is. Sorry. 
Mark 8, chapter 34 to 38. If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your own life. You must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. You must continually surrender to my ways, for if you let your life go for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, you will continually experience true life. If you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will forfeit it. What more valuable could it be to you than your own soul? If you're ashamed of me and my words while living among sinful and faithful, faithless people, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of you when you make your appearance before me, church. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to end it with this. You guys can stand. Isaiah chapter 61 is my prayer over this generation. Not only over the homosexual community, but over those living in sin. Over myself, because I remember that day when I was set free. I remember that day when that prison door flung open. And I've tried to close the door again, trust me. (laughs) I've tried to close the prison door and go back to bondage. I've tried. But Holy Spirit, His conviction is my safety. When the Holy Spirit convicts me, there is safety. Many of you have fallen and tried to walk back to your own ways, but you have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Congratulations, you're safe. He is your friend. He is your helper. Even though you turn from him, even though you walk the other direction, even though you want to go back into the jail cell and close the door, and you're like, put me back into the jail cell, Holy Spirit convicts you and draws you back out and keeps kicking the door back open. (laughs) He's persistent. He's relentless. His love. Isaiah 61.1, Lord, I pray for a harvest. And I pray this over them right now, and I pray it over all of us, that we would walk in this authority. So how do we stand for truth? We walk in this because it is the holding back the truth that holds back people from freedom. Why do we stand for truth? Because if I hold back truth, people won't find freedom in my little way that I have it. In the little way that I'm, I'm, I don't know, maybe it affects a couple people in my life. Maybe it affects one or two, I don't know. But whoever is in my sphere, if I hold back truth, there's a chance they might not get set free. And that goes for all of us. You don't hold back truth because there is power in your truth. Because Jesus is truth. Because God is love. If you do it from the right heart, church. Isaiah 61, one, I'm going to read, read through it and then we're going to pray. Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Oh, Jesus, set him free. I'm going to try to get through this. (laughs) Set the captive free, God. Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know what that is? The year of Jubilee. You know what that means? All debt is paid. All 
debt is paid. It doesn't matter your sin. It doesn't matter how dark it was, how open it was, how in front of the world it was, how hidden it was, hidden or open. Your debt is paid. Oh, I love this part. To comfort, hallelujah, to comfort all who mourn, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they would be called trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oh, he's going to do it. Come on, lift your hands up. Say, do it, Lord. Use me, God, to be a voice. Use me, God. We're not afraid of the politics. We're not afraid of the culture. We're not afraid of what my, 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 my job will say, my boss will say. God, we care what you say, God. We are unashamed. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ Jesus. It is the very power of salvation. It is the power of God and in your lack of shame in the gospel. Oh, Father, I ask for a people who would preach your word, who would stand for truth, who would expose lies, who would, be, who would be bold in the way they speak, God. I ask for boldness the way we speak. I ask for boldness to say truth. I ask for love, God, to love the way you love. For God is love and you love perfectly. You don't love with fear. You don't love with selfless, selfish intentions. Teach us to love the way you love, God. Let's just let Holy Spirit do some work right now for a minute. Just let him do some work. Just whatever it is personally, how you want to pray through this, you can pray. Just be here, Holy Spirit, right now. Touch our hearts. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.